Welcome to More Attention, Less Deficit, the free podcast version of the book, More Attention, Less Deficit, Success Strategies for Adults with ADHD, available at addwarehouse.com and pretty much everywhere else. I'm psychologist Dr. Ari Tuckman, author of More Attention, Less Deficit, and Integrative Treatment for Adult ADHD, a practical, easy-to-use guide for clinicians. For more information about either book, archives of this podcast, and information about upcoming teleclasses and presentations, check out adultadhdbook.com. Welcome to the episode, Misdiagnoses. Why did it take me so long to be correctly diagnosed? Although things are getting better, the sad reality is that most adults with ADHD haven't been diagnosed or treated for it. So if you're someone who suffered for a long time before finally being diagnosed, you're in very good company. The main problem is that ADHD in adults is a relatively new concept, as these things go, so it's just making its way into most therapists' and physicians' knowledge bases. The good news is that we're learning a lot more about ADHD, but the bad news for for adults with ADHD is that we're learning a lot more about everything else too, so it's impossible to keep up with it all. Let's look at some of the reasons why so many of these adults are being diagnosed so late. First reason, you know, ADHD is for kids. Probably the biggest reason is that many healthcare professionals don't look for ADHD once someone reaches adulthood. As a result, other diagnoses or explanations are given instead, such as anxiety, depression, fear of success, passive aggressive behavior, or self-destructive tendencies. Any of these sound familiar? Although the person with ADHD may in fact be anxious or whatever, That's not the full picture, so an important piece is missed if the ADHD is ignored. In many cases, these other conditions come out of a lifetime of ADHD struggles, meaning that treatment of the effects will be of limited benefit. Unfortunately, because it works a little, everyone assumes that must be the real problem and then settles for some partial treatment response. I've seen many clients who, even after seeing multiple therapists or psychiatrists over the years, were never diagnosed with ADHD or treated effectively. Second reason here is that another condition may mask the ADHD. Some people may also have another condition that hides the ADHD symptoms. Adults with ADHD are more likely than folks without ADHD to also have some other condition, mostly anxiety and depression. Some people have enough anxiety or depression that they officially qualify for the diagnosis, whereas others have some of these symptoms, but not enough to cross the threshold. Of course, given the troubles that undiagnosed ADHD brings, it shouldn't be surprising that someone would be anxious or depressed. Unfortunately, having more than one condition can create a tangled web of symptoms that can be difficult to tease apart. For example, is the person distractible because she's anxious, or because she has ADHD. So what this means is that a healthcare professional may see the other condition instead of the ADHD and therefore treat only that other condition. This treatment probably won't do anything for the ADHD, but may have some benefit for the other condition. Ironically, this partial progress may convince a professional that the problem here is indeed anxiety or depression or whatever, so he doesn't look further, even though the other person doesn't make the full progress one might expect. 
It's human nature that we tend to find what we're looking for. So if someone tends to look for anxiety and depression and doesn't think about ADHD, then probably only the most severe cases of ADHD will stand out. Increasing awareness of ADHD in adults has the effect then of making professionals more likely to consider, to consider this condition even when clients or patients also have symptoms of something else. Another reason here is that clinicians don't really know adult ADHD. Unfortunately, if they're unfamiliar with how ADHD looks in adults, they're not going to find it. That if someone uses the wrong characteristics to make a diagnosis, that person will obviously be less likely to pick up on it if someone has a particular condition. For example, if clinicians assume that everyone with ADHD has obvious hyperactivity, you know, as a stereotypical ADHD boy does, then they'll miss all the people who have only the inattentive symptoms or the adults who've grown out of the obvious restlessness. As another example, a member of the adult ADHD support group I ran was told by her psychiatrist that she couldn't have ADHD because she'd managed to get a PhD, so therefore she must have been able to concentrate. What he didn't take into account was the fact that this very bright woman had had to work twice as hard as her classmates just to keep up, leaving her constantly exhausted and stressed out. She was successful, but she suffered for it. As this woman illustrates, some people with ADHD manage to, to achieve significant success despite their ADHD. So success should not necessarily rule out an ADHD diagnosis. There are many ways to compensate for sometimes significant weaknesses in certain skills and still achieve greatness. For example, high intelligence, strong work ethic, charisma, or a supportive social network will help anyone be more successful. In addition, some people may do very well in one part of her life, but really struggle in other parts. For example, some, someone with untreated ADHD may do very well at work if she has an attentive and organized assistant, but her house and personal life may be disasters. Another possibility here of why ADHD is missed is success despite ADHD until something changes. Some people do okay or even become quite successful until their circumstances change and their ADHD weaknesses become more obvious, resulting in, you know, quote, sudden difficulties. For example, promotion or transfer to a less structured or more demanding job, leaving the workforce to stay home with children, divorce from a well-organized spouse, retirement from the structured life of the military, or reduced, involve, reduced involvement by parents who keep the young adult on track. This last one is especially common among new college students who drown in the sudden lack of structure of campus life. This is a big transition for any student, but those who have difficulty organizing their time and assignments and resisting temptation will very quickly run into trouble. In later life, this organizing may be provided by roommates, romantic partners, and assistants. In other cases, the ADHD person may have to work much harder or longer for the same successes. For example, he may need to come in early or stay late to get the same amount of work done, which works fine until he has kids and can't spend the extra time at work. The official diagnostic manual requires that someone has to have had ADHD symptoms since childhood. If the symptoms weren't present from early life, then some other diagnosis needs to be made. Unfortunately, not all ADHD adults will have shown obvious symptoms in early life. 
This doesn't mean that the symptoms weren't present, but rather than they may not have been as obvious. Individuals with high intelligence who weren't hyperactive may have done okay in school, even if teachers thought they could have done better. This is because the inattentive symptoms are quiet relative to the noisy symptoms of hyperactivity. The inattentive kid may not be paying attention, but he's not disrupting the class, so the teacher may not realize when he's daydreaming. As Tom Brown, PhD, joked at the 1999 CHAD conference, the hyperactive kids are so obviously different from classmates that even the school janitor can diagnose them. For the hyperactive and impulsive students, high intelligence isn't much of a protector in the areas of self-control, organization, time management, or good judgment. The problem is that the hyperactive or impulsive kids know, that, know what they're supposed to do, but they can't make themselves do it reliably enough. However, even these difficulties may not be as obvious if the person attended an extremely structured school where teachers and aides kept him in line. Alternatively, if someone attended an unstructured school, his impulsive behavior may not have stood out as much. For example, I once evaluated a college freshman who went to a private school with small, supportive classes and had a mother who supervises homework very closely. As a result, despite the fact that he could have been the poster child for ADHD, his grades were generally quite good because others kept him from going off the rails. If he did go off, he could charm his way out of it and get extra time for the missing assignment. Not surprisingly, he wound up on academic probation his first year in college when all that structure and support were left behind because he didn't have the skills within himself to do well. Another reason why ADHD might be missed is that other explanations are used instead. So even if someone's struggles were obvious, explanations other than ADHD may have been used, such as she just needs a better attitude, he'll grow out of it, or her parents just need to crack down more. Of course, most adults were children during a time when ADHD wasn't frequently diagnosed, even in children. For people who were born before 1980, unless they were really hyperactive, it's unlikely that they would have been diagnosed as children. So other reasons were used to explain the troublesome behavior. This may be especially likely if a parent also has ADHD, probably undiagnosed, something that's pretty likely given ADHD's strong genetics. As a result, the child's struggles may be normalized under the logic of, well, I was the same way, but I turned out fine. We don't need to do anything about it. Ironically, some of these ADHD adults are even less tolerant of excuses by their ADHD children, perhaps because it brings up their own painful past. So they hold fast to a bootstrap mentality, even if it isn't working. And finally, the last reason why ADHD is sometimes missed is that, you know, everyone supposedly has ADHD these days. You know, some people dismiss the diagnosis of ADHD with a simple explanation that everyone has a bit of ADHD, so we don't really need to concern ourselves with it. I had a client tell me that her doctor completely discounted ADHD in general, as well as her suffering and need for medication. What's happening is that people without ADHD superimpose their own experiences onto those of people with ADHD. So for example, the person who sometimes forget things won't realize how often someone with ADHD forgets things. Or they'll assume that stories of trouble managing finances means that the person with ADHD occasionally puts too much on the credit card 
rather than that bills are lost completely and the person receives phone calls about late payments. Our next episode will be the four stages of adjustment to a new diagnosis. Getting diagnosed can be a really big deal that can take a long time to adjust to. Although not written in stone, people tend to go through certain stages in that process. So stay tuned. Until next time, thanks for lending me your attention.